channel. Welcome, and those of you who are watching online, we're so glad that you have tuned in. How many of you remember a show as we go down memory lane into the portals of game show history? How many of you remember a show called The Weakest Link? Some of you remember that. It actually debuted in the United States on uh, August 14th in the year 2000. Now, uh, the hostess of this show was a sharp-tongued, schoolmistressy type of lady named Ann Robinson. And if you lost the game, she'd point her bony finger at you and she'd say, You are the weakest link. Oh, oh, oh that, that feels like rejection with capital letters. Man, now the most that anyone ever won on the U.S. version of The Weakest Link is $189,500. Well, it's a pretty good price, but not as much as some of the other game shows. But knowing that we face rejection... I'm going to ask for some volunteers. So it's a risk, but here's the good thing. We are giving away cash prizes tonight, and all the questions that I'm going to ask are actual questions taken from the Weakest Link game show. And they're all just really everyday, normal questions. Let me give you an example. Like, what kind of insect is found hovering over lakes and ponds? You know that would be... Yeah, a mosquito. So they're questions like that, everyday type of questions, okay? Um, so I'm, uh, before you arrived, uh, I was told that all your names were put into an imaginary hopper. And these four names were pulled out. Are you ready? Gail Mann, come on up here. Scotty Hendricks, get on up here. Marie Anderson, come on up. And Nick... Nick Baltus, get up here. Okay. Right up here. <laughs> now, I'm going to ask our powers that be in the sound booth, can I take this microphone and use it for the contestants? Okay, good. All right. Okay, let's just have you line up here, and uh, I'm going to ask you, uh, they probably know who you are, but our online folks may not know who you are. So why don't you share your name and how long you've come to SFCC. My name is Gail Mann, and I've been coming here for 15 years. 15 years? 15. Wow, that's amazing. Pass it on down. My name is Scotty Hendricks. I've been here for 14 years. 14, wow. I'm Marie Anderson, just kidding. I'm Nick Baltus. Um, I've been here like a little over a year. Good, good. I'm Nick Baltus. No, I'm Marie Anderson. I've been here 16 years. Okay, since you already have the microphone, we're going to start with you, okay? Now, this is how it's going to work. <laughs> this is how it's going to work. Uh, each one of you will be asked a question. We're going to start with Marie. And uh, Mar uh, when you answer six questions in a row correctly, you get a brand new, I kid you not, $2 bill. Yeah. Now, if you miss one question, I'm sorry, but you're out. Okay, now we won't ask you six questions all at once, Marie. We'll ask you a question, and then Nick, and we'll come on down, and then again, and again, and again. And since I'm not really good with numbers, I need Gay right here in the front row. Pastor Gay, do you keep, you keep track of how, how many, what question we're on? Like right now, 
run the first question. So, um, <laughs> yeah, hold up that finger and I'll look at it every now and then. So I'll, I'll, okay, are you ready, Marie? Okay, now the question will be on the screen and we're not going to put the answer up until Marie answers, okay? So we'll see if she's correct. Okay, are you ready? How many of you think Marie can do this? Really? She has to answer six questions in a row, okay? So here we go. There's your first question, Marie. Here it is. It's on the screen. What is the name of the insect which makes honey? A bee. A bee. Is she right? Yeah. All right. Okay, Nick. It's up to you. Here we go, Nick. Your first question is this. Nick, in athletics, which discipline does the competitor hold a metal ball under his or her chin before throwing it? No help from the studio audience. What would that be, Nick? Yeah. Shot put. Shot put. Is he right? He's right. Good. All right. Scotty, are you ready? Here we go. Scotty, a clog is worn on which part of the body? The foot. The foot. He is absolutely right. Okay. Gail, here we go. Your first question is, in America, the Golden Gate Bridge is a feature of which city? San Francisco. That's absolutely right. Pass it on down. Okay, Marie, here's your second question. Gay has got the number two up there. Here we go, Marie. An adult has how many wisdom teeth? No help. No help. Time is running out. We need your answer. Four. Four. She's correct. Pass it on. Woo. I was a little bit worried. Okay, Nick, are you ready? Nick, fast thinking on your part. What is 23 plus 28? <laughs> oh, Nick. No, I'm sorry. It's 51. Give him a hand. He did a great job. Scoot on down this way. Okay, Scotty, are you ready for your second question? Here we go. What is the name of a small posy of flowers worn on an evening dress? You do that all the time, don't you? <laughs> small posy of flowers worn on an evening dress. Daisies. What? Daisies. No, it is corsage. Okay. We're weeding them out, aren't we? We are weeding them out. Good job, though. Give him a hand. All right. Okay, Gail, we're still on the is it second or third question? Uh, second question. I need, you to, number six. I need you to help me out. <laughs> yeah, number six, Gail says. Okay, Gail, what word for the past tense of rise is also a popular flower? Time's running out. Past tense of rise, that's also a popular flower. Okay, what's the past tense of rise? Risen. No. No, not risen. Risen isn't a flower. Good job, Gail. You did a good job. It was rose. Oh, okay. Marie, it's all on you. Right up here. Right up here. It's all on you. This is her third question or fourth? Third. This is your third question. What? No, we're not done now. <laughs> you're still in the you're still in the game. You may you may win some money. Okay, here we go. Your your third question, is that what it is, Gay? Third question. Okay, here we go. What item 
What item in the kitchen might include an interior light, an automatic defrost, and an egg rack? The refrigerator. Totally right. Yes. Okay, here we go. Fourth question. Fourth question. Here we go. What is the name of the large absorbent cloth used to dry the body after a bath or a shower? A towel. Right. Yes. Okay. One more? She only has one. Or is this the fifth one? This is the fifth one. Okay. How many of you think she can do two more correct? Man, the pressure is rising. Okay, here we go, Marie. An annual event takes place how many times a year? Once. Once, that's right. Okay. This is it, your last question, and this $2 bill can be yours. Okay, here we go, Marie. What is the three-letter name of the area that's the background for the sun, moon, and stars? The sky. The sky! She is absolutely right! Congratulations! You are not the weakest link! Woo! <laughs> oh, we have no weak links tonight. As unbelievable as it seemed, uh, one time a princess was told that she was the weakest link. I mean, she hadn't even signed up for this game show. She didn't even know that it existed. But way back in 1000 BC, Tamar was told that she was the weakest link. Who in the world was Tamar? Who was Tamar? Well, she was the daughter of David, and he was the king of Israel. Now, the Bible tells us some things about Tamar. The Bible tells us that she was young and beautiful. In worldly status, Tamar had everything going for her. I mean, she had position, she had wealth, she had influence. And because she was King David's daughter, of course, she was royalty. But she lived in a dysfunctional family. King David's family was a dysfunctional one. You see, King David's two oldest sons were in a vie for power. They were struggling to have power. Both of them wanted David's throne, but neither one of them would stop at nothing to get, uh, but neither one of them would, would uh, try to do something to get David's attention off of them because they didn't want to risk favor from their dad. Now, Absalom was the next youngest. So Amnon was the oldest, and then his younger brother Absalom, those are the two that are in this vying struggle for power. Absalom and Amnon hated each other. They were both greedy, greedy. they were uh, uh, savvy, and they were corrupt in their struggle to get power. Well, Scripture tells us that Amnon, remember he's the oldest, fell in love with his half-sister Tamar. Already we see some dysfunction because I said half-sister Tamar. You see, David had many wives. Now that's a sign of dysfunction. It's never been God's plan that one man have many wives. Sister wives hadn't even been televised yet. <laughs> but David had many wives. And there, again, are several weak links in this family's dysfunction but we see part of it right here in the fact that David had many wives. Now, we're told in Genesis 2.24 that one man and one woman shall become two, not one man and lots of women. 
And then Deuteronomy 17, 14 to 20 specifically says, all kings are to have only one wife. But having several wives was part of the culture. And it had just become the norm throughout the years. You know, simply because something becomes the norm doesn't mean that it's God's best. And it was not God's will for David to have many wives. And it certainly brought a lot of disaster on his family because he went against God's will in this area of his life. Again, what culture deems as normal doesn't mean that it's right. And polygamy has always been wrong in God's eyes. So this family chain is a weak one. There are many other dysfunctional links, but we don't have time to go into all of them. But let's get back to Amnon. Scripture tells us that he fell in love with his half-sister, Tamar. Now the Bible says he fell in love, but well, it was really more like he fell in lust with her. And many of us confuse lust with love. But you know, lust has a whole lot more to do with hormones than it has to do with love or respect. And when lust combines with arrogance and shame and the need for power, the result can often be rape. Amnon was so in lust with Tamar that he made himself ill. It seemed he just couldn't do anything except fantasize about her and grow the fantasies and just think about it time after time after time. And then Amnon's cousin came up with a plan. Let's look at scripture so we can get the story. Here we go. Prince Absalom, David's son, had a beautiful sister named Tamar. And Prince Amnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Amnon became so tormented by his love for her that he became ill. He had no way of talking to her, for the girls and the young men were kept strictly apart. But Amnon had a very crafty friend, his cousin Jonadab, the son of David's brother Shemiah. And one day, Jonadab said to Amnon, What's the trouble? Why should the son of a king look so haggard morning after morning? So Amnon told him, I'm in love with Tamar, my half-sister. Well, Jonadab said, I'll tell you what to do. Go back to bed and pretend that you're sick. When your father comes in to see you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you. Tell him that you'll feel better if she feeds you. So Amnon did. And when the king came to see him, Amnon asked him fa his father for this favor, that his sister Tamar be permitted to come and cook a little something for him to eat. David agreed. And he sent word to Tamar to go to Amnon's quarters and prepare some food for him. So she did and went into his bedroom so that he could watch her mix some dough. Then she baked some special bread for him. But when she set the serving tray before him, he refused to eat. 
Everyone, get out of here, he told his servants. So they all left the apartment. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat it from your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, Come to bed with me, my sister. No, no, my brother, she said to him. Any sexual contact that happens after someone has said no is considered rape. Let's continue with scripture. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he loved her. Okay, so when Amnon is finished, he's seized with great loathing for her. He was disgusted with her. He got what he wanted, and now he couldn't care less about Tamar. Amnon said to her, get up and get out. Amnon wants her out. Get up and get out. But notice, he's not even using her name, is he? Actually, in the Hebrew version in which the Bible, the Old Testament, was originally written, Amnon says, get this out of here. In other words, he no longer even views her as a person. Tamar is now seen by her culture as damaged goods. Society screams at her, Tamar, you are the weakest link. Tamar, you're no good. You're worthless. Maybe you can identify. Maybe there have been times when you too have felt like the weakest link. Maybe you've felt damaged or used or abused. The Bible says she spent the rest of her years lonely and desolate. But the story doesn't end here. Tamar's brother, Absalom, asked her what happened, even though he already suspected that Amnon had violated her. And then Absalom added to her shame by saying this, Well, be quiet for now, my sister. He is your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. Well, boys will be boys. No, 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 no. That's not the right thing to say to someone who's broken and someone who's been abused and someone who's been attacked. That's not the right thing to say, is it? Those are not comforting words. Now, we all know that God created Adam out of the dirt, and then he created woman by taking a rib out of man. I'm guessing the rib that he took out of man is the rib that contains all the communication skills. <laughs> because this is not what we say to a hurting person. Her brother Absalom loved his sister Tamar, but he couldn't bring restoration to her. She was now seen as the weakest link. In her own mind, she is damaged goods. Though Tamar was a daughter of the king, 
She lived the rest of her life as a desolate woman. Tamar was an innocent victim. Something bad happened to her that was not her fault. Does that sound familiar at all? Can you relate to this? Maybe you too have been the recipient of something bad that wasn't your fault. What happened to Tamar couldn't change her bloodline. She's still the daughter of the king, but she lived the rest of her life believing that she was the weakest link, that she was broken, that she was unwhole. But guess what? She could have lived in the palace. Her father is still the king, but now she's living with no hope. If only Tamar would have looked up instead of down, she would have seen God refuting the weakest link syndrome. I wish I could pause the story here and jump inside and say, Tamar, you are not the weakest link. Because in God's chains, there are no weak links. In God's family chain, there is no weak link. You're still a princess. Tomorrow, you're the daughter of a king. Live like it. You see, God is in the restoration business. He's a master at taking weak and broken links and making them whole. I would go as far as to say that he's not just, just into recovery. He's into complete and total restoration. He wants to transform you. He wants to restore you. How? I mean, it sounds good, but how? How is that possible? Number one, by not conforming to the pattern of this world. Let's go to the Bible. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. So refuse to believe the lies of the world around you. Tamar believed the lies of her culture. Okay, okay, Susie, God, God wants to renew me. That's right. He wants to restore me. You got it. And he wants to transform me. Yes. But, but how? How? By not conforming to the pattern of this world, don't believe the lies that the culture is spreading about you. You're worthless. You're no good. No, no, no. Don't conform to that. Don't believe that. But how? How do I do that? How do I not believe that, Susie? How do I keep from conforming to those lies that I keep hearing? Well, we get the answer from the rest of Romans 12 too. This is how God transforms us. So let's read it. Number two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. And this is done by the Holy Spirit as he teaches us who we really are. Who am I? I'm setting up Pastors Buddy and Gay, aren't I? Because they're going to start a series on our identity in Jesus. I wish I could be. I'm going to have to watch it online and listen online because I want to hear that. Oh, man, what a powerful series that's going to be. So who am I? Who, who, who am I? What is my identity? If you've asked yourself, who am I? Well, that deserves an answer. And I think it... With all of us, at some time in our lives, we do have to ask the question, yeah, who am 
I? Am I who and what culture says I am? Or my feelings say I am? Or, or is there something more? I mean, who am I? It's a big question, and we all ask it. I remember when I was in the second grade, Sandra Kay came to Sunday school class one Sunday morning, and she told all the other second grade girls that just last night, Saturday night, her parents had informed her she had been adopted. Now, they adopted her as a baby, but they just told her uh, Saturday night because I guess they thought, okay, she's seven now, so she's probably old enough to understand. So she came to Sunday school and told all the rest of the girls, I'm adopted. My parents told me last night when I was a baby, they chose me. They adopted me. And we all thought, oh, that is so cool, Sandra Kay, because that means your mom and dad got to pick you. They got to choose you. And our mom and dad just got stuck with us. <laughs> and so I secretly began to think, oh, maybe it's possible that I'm adopted too. And they just haven't told me because they don't think I'm ready to handle it. And so I began to think all during the church service, I've got to find out. Maybe I'm adopted too. Wouldn't that be awesome that my parents picked me, that they chose me, that I'm that special? And so I just decided today is the day I will ask if I'm adopted. So I went through our traditional Sunday roast beef dinner. And then after dinner, my dad was in the lazy boy recliner, uh, kind of stretching out with the newspaper in his lap. And I climbed up in his lap and I just I just this is it I have to ask him so I looked in his eyes and I just asked my dad Ling Chow am I adopted <laughs> yeah. he told me I was not but that I was still special <laughs> if you're asking who am I and we all do how about asking your creator let God tell you who you are. Let's check out what, he, he, what Jesus says to the apostle Peter. He says, and now, and now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. Wow. Have you allowed God to shape your identity? Let me ask you this. Is your identity genuinely grounded in him? Well, according to Scripture, it not only can be, but it should be. Let's look at Scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So I would love at this point to take Tamar out for a cherry icy and say, Hey, Tamar, what was done to you was terrible. But it's in the past. Behold, Tamar, the new has come. Don't let your identity be defined by what happened to you. Tamar, define yourself in Christ. You see, we're tempted to often think that God only likes us when we're doing good things or when we're being good. And I want you to know that is a number one lie of the enemy. He's saying, hey, this thing is all about your performance, not the cross. 
No, 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 no. Because the Bible stories look like it's way more about Jesus than it is my behavior. So who am I? Let's all ask that tonight. Who am I? May I give you the answer? Here it is. You are the object of God's love. That is your identity. He is crazy about you. Do you know that he's your biggest cheerleader? He is on your side. He is crazy about you. How do you know, Susie? I need some proof. Okay, let's go to the little Old Testament book of Zephaniah. <laughs> Zephaniah 3.17 says that he sings a song over you. Whoa, what? God, who has angels to supervise and famine to deal with and human trafficking to stop and wars and all this, takes time to sing a song over me? Yes. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's an original song that he created just for you. In other words, the song he's singing over you I don't think is the same song he's singing over the person next to you. Every day, my heavenly father is singing a song over me. Whoa. That proves I am the object of God's love. Wow. Susie, I, I didn't know that. What does the song sound like? Dooby 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 dooby. Maybe it sounds like dooby dooby doo. Or maybe it sounds like I don't know what it sounds like. I guarantee it doesn't sound anything like that. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, he has created a song with your DNA woven into the rhythm, with your characteristics woven in between each note and each staff line, the treble cleft and the bass notes, all woven together with your DNA making that song complete. God created it for you, he composed it for you, and he's singing it over you every day of your life. That's proof you are the object of God's love. Wow. Well, that makes me stand a little taller. Good, it should. But how else do I, do I know that I'm the object of God's love? I love it that he's singing over me every day. Is there any other proof? Well, there sure is. Isaiah 49, 16, we're told that God has engraved you on the palm of his hand. Engraved you. He didn't take um, an, a, a big pen. You know, like sometimes we don't have a sheet of paper, but we want somebody's email or phone number. Okay, just, get, just give it to me. I'll just write it here. You know, we've all done that. No, 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 because that can be easily washed away with soap and water. He didn't write you with a big pen. <laughs> he didn't even write you with a, a, a Sharpie because a Sharpie will eventually fade away. He has whoosh, engraved you in the palm of his hand. And it's not just your name that's there. It's everything that makes you you. It's your favorite flavors. It's your favorite colors. It's your characteristics and qualities, your likes and your dislikes. It's everything that's on your taste buds. It is you, the essence of you, right there on the palm of his hand. Okay, well, Susie, um, if he didn't write me with a big pen, and if he didn't use a Sharpie, 
How am I engraved on his hand? What did he use? I'm guessing it was a spike. And you will be forever right here on the palm of his hand. You are the object of God's love. That's who you are. Let that transform your mind. Would you do that? Let that really sink in there. Let it transform your mind. Okay, Susie, 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 wait a minute. You're getting carried away. It sounds good, but hey, I need more. Really? Okay. Well, the Bible can give you more. You can know you're the object of God's love because he's singing a song over you every day of your life. And because he has engraved you in the palm of his hand. But you can also know that you are the object of God's love because get this, Jesus prays for you. Isn't that awesome? Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, he is praying for you every day of his life. And he began praying for you way before you were born or even thought of. In fact, his prayer started way back in John chapter 17. Jesus began praying for you. And guess what? When Jesus prays, he gets his prayers answered. <laughs> I think we can be confident that when Jesus prays, he's going to answer his own prayers. Don't you think that's a safe assumption? <laughs> and Jesus carries the theme of this prayer. He's praying, John 17, for you, and he carries the theme of this prayer all the way upstairs to the upper room. You know the scene. They're about to share the Last Supper. The theme of this prayer, he's praying for you. And he carries it all the way upstairs to the upper room. They're going to share the Last Supper. And Jesus really wants his disciples to get this. As he's going up the stairs, oh, I really want them to get this. I really, 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 really want them to get this. I mean, it is just important. It's essential. It's a necessity that they really get this before I leave them. Hey, guys, guys, listen to me for a minute. Get this. You really need to get this. Hey, Matthew, stop figuring with the money. Look at me. Peter, stop talking, okay? Just look at me for a minute. Thomas, quit your doubting. Look at me, because I really want you to get this, guys. Are you ready? Okay, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Get this. As the Father has loved me, that is exactly how I love you. Whoa, you get it? You are not the weakest link. You never were. You are the object of God's love. Jesus is telling you right here, right now, that just as Father God, the great I am, loves him, so he loves you. Let that transform your mind. Quick recap. How can I be transformed? Number one, don't conform to the pattern of this world. The culture is spreading lies about you. The culture says, and Satan says through the culture, you're defeated. You're not good enough, never will be. You're worthless. You're damaged. You're broken. You're the weakest link. Well, 
Maybe that's what we used to be. <laughs> but when we came to Christ, everything changed because Scripture says we became a brand new creation when we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. So refuse to conform to the lies and that the culture is spreading about you. Refuse to conform to the pattern of the world around you. You are a new creation. Quick recap. And then number two, be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Again, this is done through the Holy Spirit. You are a child of the King. You are an object of God's love. Christ loves you exactly how God the Father, the great I am, loves him. And tonight... Jesus really, 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 really wants you to get this. Let me tell you who got it. The Apostle John. Oh, he got it. He was the only disciple who wasn't martyred. King Domitian tried to boil John alive. That didn't work, so he just banished him to the island of Patmos. Ten miles long, six miles wide. And it's a criminally infested island. John may have been shackled part of the time, but that's where he wrote the last book of the Bible, Revelation. There was probably never really enough to eat. It was an awful place to be, a rocky, volcanic island. It, it seemed as if God had forsaken everyone there. We know that's not true, but it must have felt that way. And so that's where we wrote Revelation. Wow, the ending, the the. the the bookend to the whole Bible. That's a pretty important book. But you know that he also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he also wrote the Gospel of John. And when he wrote the Gospel of John, guess what? He didn't even use his name. He just referred to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. He got it. He got it. Jesus loves me in the very same way that God the Father loves him. And that became his identity. That became the fiber of his being. That became the core of who John was. Now his identity could have easily been in what he did, right? He could have said, hey, I helped lead that church in Ephesus and I wrote five books in the New Testament, and I'm going to write the very last book of the Bible, and the one that tells the future, and I'm pretty sure this book that we're calling the Bible is going to be a good seller. <laughs> he could have said all that. He could have found identity in his success. He could have easily developed a cool factor. But instead, it was, nope, I'm not going to write about that. I'm not going to write about who I know or what I've done. I I I'm just... I just want to be remembered this way. I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. That's who I am. Who are you? You're the object of God's love. If you're asking who am I, you are more than a student. You are way more than a career person or a wife or a husband or a mom or a dad or a grandpa or a caring friend. That's not the core of who you are. If you're asking, who am I? Really, what is my identity? Here it is. You are the disciple whom Jesus loved. And, and, and how does he love you? He loves you exactly how Father God loves him. Wow, that 
is your identity. You are not the weakest link. You never have been. You are not damaged goods. You are not broken. You are not what society deems you to be. You are engraved forever in the palm of his hand. He's seeing over you every day of your life. He's praying for you every day of your life. I am the disciple whom Jesus loves just as God loves him. That's who I am. This has become the fiber of my being. This is my core. I am the disciple that Jesus loves. That gives me confidence. That gives me security. Without that, why would, I, why would I have anything to feel good about? Short and squatty, I'm impatient, I talk too fast. Nothing to be proud of here. But I can walk with my head held high. And I can feel good about me. Because I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. And he loves me just exactly how Father God loves him. So I want you to say it with me. I am the disciple Jesus loves. Louder. I am the disciple Jesus loves. Come on. I am the disciple Jesus loves. And how does Jesus love you? Let's answer it. Exactly how Father God loves him. Okay, when you know that. I mean, when you really, 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 really know that, you don't care as much about what others say. The fact that something happened to you that you didn't have control of begins to fade because you know who you are and you become transformed by that truth. So as we close, let me ask you some questions. Why, why settle for tomorrow's life when you can live a transformed life? No matter what has happened to you, you're still a child of the king. Live like it. You still have access to the palace. The king sings over you. The king has you engraved in the palm of his hand. The king is praying for you. And the king longs to bring restoration to you and wholeness and healing and transformation to you. And that's only done through the power of the Holy Spirit. So tonight... Will you refuse to settle for less than God's very best for you? It boils down to this. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of who we really are.
to settle for tomorrow's life. You are the beloved. You are the object of God's love. You still have access to the palace. The father is still your king and you're still the child of the king. But sometimes we just need to be reminded, don't we? You are not the weakest link. So tonight, would you refuse to settle for less than all God wants you to be? All God wants you to become. Would you accept his invitation tonight to be loved as only he can love you? You are not the weakest link. <laughs> he wants to transform you tonight. He wants to bring complete restoration and wholeness to you tonight. And guess what? You can trust him to do that because he is really a good, good father. Would you stand, please? Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been rejected or betrayed. Maybe you've been used or abused. If so, and if you would like to receive uh, healing for that, if you want me to pray for emotional healing, I want to do that for you. If you want to just come and stand down at the front, then I'll know that's why you're here. 
Others of you may want to come and kneel because you may want to pray about something else that I've talked about in this message. Maybe you want to give God some of the lies that you believed or you want to ask the Holy Spirit to begin transforming you. Then you just come and kneel. But if you've been hurt, betrayed, or rejected, and if you've been misunderstood or bullied, and, and that is a hurt that is welling up inside of you and you don't know what to do with it, I want to pray a healing prayer over you tonight and you just come and stand in the center. The rest of you that want to pray, you come and kneel. But I can promise you this, you serve a good, good Father who can be trusted. Let's sing that as you come. Come now. Oh, and I thousand stories think you're like but I tender whisper of love the dead of night in you tell that you're pleased in that I'm never It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. Oh, and I something special, I want to ask you to reach out your hands in front of you like you're accepting 
God's healing touch. Would you do that? Just like, just like God is going to place in a, a healing touch in your hands and our friends who are watching online, you feel free to do that too, saying, here God, here's my open hands and I want your touch. Let me pray for you right now. Dear Jesus, some of our friends right now are feeling broken. Lord, you know the details and you were there and you are still here. You are with them. You were with them through the brokenness and you're with them right now. And you're saying, I do not want what has happened to you in the past to define you. I want to bring restoration to you. I want to bring wholeness to you. And I want to transform you. So Father God, we pray right now in the power of the blood that you shed on the cross to do this for us, we pray complete healing, complete emotional healing right now for those who have come for this reason and for those who are tuned in online, for those who have their arms outstretched, Jesus, they're waiting for you to touch them. So Father, right now, through the power of your spirit, would you just walk up and down? up and down these aisles and through the, through the airwaves, those for our online watchers into these here, and wrap your loving arms around them. May they feel right now the warmth surging through their minds. May they feel your love welling up in their hearts. Doubt be gone. Brokenness away with you. Unwholeness. We have no use for you. We accept healing and restoration and wholeness, and we know tonight who we are. We are the object of your love. Thank you, Jesus, for the healing that you are bestowing upon us right here, right now, that we no longer have to settle for less, that we no longer have to live a life like Tamar lived with a black cloud hanging over us of despair or regret or, or past brokenness. No, 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 no. Now we are whole. We are yours. And we are becoming transformed by your Holy Spirit working in us, permeating us, saturating us and working through us. Father, we are yours. Heal our minds completely and bring complete wholeness to us tonight. In your name we pray. Let's sing it again. I'm so glad he's a good father, aren't you? We can trust him. Let's sing it. You're a good, good father. Still you are. Still you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Aren't you glad we serve a good, good father who loves us, who's crazy in love with us, that we matter so much to him that he sent his son Jesus to die for us? 
Wow, what an incredible night, what an incredible week we're having. And tomorrow night, unfortunately, in some ways, is our last night uh, to be together. And uh, it's been a really, uh, really good week. And if you still have friends out there that you want to invite, tomorrow night would be a perfect night for you to invite them. And, um, and if you have friends that don't know Jesus, especially will you bring them tomorrow night, try to invite them, ask them to watch online. You know, they say now that... Uh, uh, the first step for people to come to church is uh, to worship online. So you could just invite people. If they won't come here, just say, well, you go online at 7 o'clock. Soundfields.com slash live and watch it. Okay, meaning this getting close to the last night, we have our love offering tonight. And uh, I hope that uh, everyone here that has been blessed by Susie's ministry will show her a little love and, uh, and put in the offering a love gift for her, or go out by the kiosk and give there, or go on your app and give. Uh, we're way short of what we really ought to give her, okay? Uh, so would you pray about that if you haven't given, and tomorrow night bring that offering back with you, and uh, let's bless Susie real good, okay? Like Fredericksburg, like Salem Fields does. We, we bless people real good when they come. So let's bless Susie really good with a love offering. Father, thank you tonight in Jesus' name for all that's happened. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.